Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On our latest episode, will Ready Player One cause an overload of pop culture? What's good on Netflix? And was the Ant-Man film worthy of a sequel? All this and more as we once again delve into the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back for another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you tuning in to us here each and every week. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is the main man at Humanica Media. You want to check out all the great things that they've got going on there today at HumanicaMedia.com. It is Josh Peterson. What's going on, my friend? Hey, hey. So let me tell you a story here. I am surfing the internet right now, and I'm looking at the people I know on social media and how many times the Buddy Christ meme is being circulated by church people. And I'm wondering to myself, do they actually know what that's from? If they could see it in context, would they still be posting a meme of it? What would their reaction be? They would probably wash their hands and probably go to their church and probably do a lot of explaining to their local priest that's for sure buddy crisis sort of pop culture dogma kevin smith check it out guys if you ever get a chance all right well okay and all our best to kevin smith as far as his health is concerned glad to hear that he is recovering after the heart attack that he suffered last month so definitely hope for a strong comeback for him as well Once again, we're going to have a great episode today. We've got Hunter Vaught coming up later in the program from the TVRatingsGuide.com. He's going to be talking a lot about the TV rating scene. We also have our good friend Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. He has to do something a little bit different for this week's episode. He's going to be talking about what he's been checking out on Netflix and some of the things that I'm sure you probably wanted to check out With so many things on Netflix, he's trying to bring it all home to you as far as and let you know what's cool and and what things you might be interested in that you want to check out. He's going to be mentioning that here in just a few minutes. But Josh, it overtook the box office this weekend. It garnered over $180 million worldwide in its first few days released. It is the pop culture love fest known as Ready Player One, directed by Steven Spielberg. And Josh, it was a great thing for us. We we gave it pretty solid reviews on our last episode. We also will have a written review coming up here in the near future on our Pop Culture Cosmos website as well. So I ask you, Josh, seeing how well it's performed, knowing that it also actually costs quite a bit to do, and, and that's understandable seeing how the scenes in the Oasis 
obviously took a lot of CGI and a lot of effort as far as that's concerned and cost as well. So what are your thoughts on Ready Player One doing so well at the box office? And what do you think this will do as far as more studios thinking about trying to translate this into more pop culture greatness? I'm really glad to see it is doing really well. I guess like the biggest fear with something like this was that it wouldn't connect with people. And that was the, um, you know, just because the references in the book and stuff. And they even took a chance. Like, you know, we were talking about The Shining. Like they took a chance with some old pop culture properties in the movie itself. And what was cool is that there wasn't really, you know, there were some call outs to more modern stuff. You know, the Minecraft, Halo, Overwatch stuff. But for the most part, it stuck pretty true to like the the time era that it was you know that this guy um, james halliday you're talking about the his the time era that he was obsessed with and you know i I love the gundam and the iron giant you know the music and all that stuff but what i definitely think this will result in is it is we'll probably be seeing a an adaptation of uh ernie klein's other book armada and we're going to be seeing a lot more like I think the, the 80s slash 90s retro phase is going to become a thing. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more movies that take place in that time or even now look at Captain Marvel coming out and it takes place in the 90s. So, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to be seeing stuff more, more things like that. And it's it's just a weird time, too, because like I just read that KB Toys was possibly coming back. So it's just it's total blast from the past. But like, I I think it's cool. I like the retro look and we'll let people finally appreciate the best days ever. Well, that's another thing I want to get into, because Spider-Man Homecoming last year uh, also threw a lot of pop culture references from the 80s and 90s in its film. But with that trend now of reaching back into the past for the quote unquote glory days of the 80s and 90s, that's one thing I want to ask, because it, it seems like that people are trying to reach back into the 80s and 90s. And you even said it was the, the best in days and the glory days and whatnot, much better than maybe even right now, so to speak. But is it going to come to the point where so many entities are going to be trying to create so many projects based off of nostalgia and pop culture that it might be too much and that will be going on pop culture overload? I mean, I'm sure that's a possibility, but if you think about it on the studios part, that's actually like, you know, universal, especially like that's actually a very, very clever marketing scheme because, you know, you look back, they have some, you know, I guess Warner Brothers too, but Universal more than anyone has a lot of very popular retro properties under their belts. You know, they got Back to the Future, they got Jaws and like making new movies that do call outs to these films is an excellent way to make people want to go back and watch them. So good for them but yes there's such thing as too much of a good thing you know it's cool and i want it to uh be well done but like you know is any with anything retro like it's it's only a matter of time until it uh you know it'll it'll run its cycle and then we'll be on to something else hopefully this will put a stop to some of like the uh the reboots going around but yeah, in the meantime, you know, we'll just kind of enjoy it while it's here. And it's something new. It's some, I mean, not new, but, you know, it's something different than what we've been getting. So we'll see what happens. Yes, it did make over $180 million worldwide in its first weekend. It still has a long way to go before it gets into the black as a movie that makes a profit for the movie studio in its first run as a film and not having to depend on home video or broadcast television rights or cable television rights or what have you. 
So it still has to, I think, probably what, 400, 450 million before you can consider it a total success from the theater and possibly even warrant a second film that will most likely be based off of Ernest Klein's next book in this Ready Player series, which I'm assuming would be Ready Player 2, but you never know what it's going to be called. It could be something different, but it will lead into the same characters, possibly on a different adventure, so to speak. So Right now, it's still in a tenuous nature in regards to whether or not it will make a profit at the box office, but definitely it's off to a much better than expected start because there were some lowball figures as far as what it would do worldwide, possibly even trending lower than Pacific Rim Uprising and Tomb Raider. But it looks right now that of the three that we had talked about for weeks, the back-to-back-to-back, Tomb Raider, Pacific Rim, Uprising, and Ready Player One, that Ready Player One is the movie that's going to come out on top at the box office of all three, and that worldwide figures will show that ultimately that Ready Player One will be the one that comes out ahead of those other two films. Hey, I'm glad, man. It, it's cool to have like people from nowadays get a taste of what you know what the things that we enjoyed and it this was a this was like the perfect film for spielberg and i'm i'm glad to see that amongst you know we talked about before the titans that are disney marvel star wars which are all pretty much the same thing that there is a new property that can stand tall and make make some money and entertain people that's true and just seeing if it can evolve into something greater and more and more people will kind of gravitate to it because of the fact that It has so many different things that they can identify with. And like I said before on last week's show, that it was something that I could identify it with with each and every decade that was introduced as far as some pop culture item. And somebody who is my age that has seen and experienced all those things that they experienced in the movie – for me, it was kind of cool that that I could point out and say, hey, you know, I know about that. I did that or I, I used that or I enjoyed that when I was younger. And it was just kind of nice to see all those things mixed in. It is, good, like I said, a pretty solid movie. I do suggest, though, if you're interested in reading the book first, that I actually think you should see the film first because there are a substantial amount of differences between the book and the film and how they get to their conclusion. So. Uh, And that's one thing I want to ask again, Josh, and reiterate. To me, I think you should go see the film first and then maybe read the book after that. Do you feel the same way or do you think it should be the other way around? That's a good question with this. I think that you should probably see the movie first uh, and then go back and read the book just so you can kind of get the full tour. I like the book story a lot better than the movie, but I still enjoy the movie. It just makes sense because you're going to be watching the movie. You're going to read the book first. You're going to go back and watch the movie. And then you're going to be thinking about everything that the movie is lacking compared to the book instead of actually enjoying the movie for what it is. So I would definitely recommend seeing the movie first. But still, go read the book. It's good. I like the Oasis that was represented in the film better than the book. But I also like the way the outside world, Columbus, and the entire dystopian world was represented and portrayed better and fleshed out much better in the book. And I think that's why the book maybe gets a little bit of a nod ahead of the film for me. But both are are positive reviews for me as far as both are concerned. And 
but both do have their issues as far as the development of characters, things of that nature. I think the villains are better in the book. I think the heroes are a little bit better in the movie. So it goes a little bit back and forth as far as that's concerned as well. So I, and I know a lot of people are, are talking about that online. It is not a faithful rendition of the book. And uh, you know what? It, it, it Actually, it isn't a bad thing this time because as we have stated before, Ernest Klein helped with the screenplay. So he could have actually made it in line with the screenplay, but realized maybe they needed something different to experience on screen. Right. And too, like most writers, you know, you read any interviews with writers years after they write a book and they're they they do say that there's some stuff that they would rather they would have rather done or done differently if they could have and i i guess like if you're you know adapting something for a movie like there are things in books that you can't do uh because just the, there's time jumps you know and uh brady player one has a lot of like things that take place over long spans of time so like it's understandable why he would cut things out but still you know, in the absence of those scenes, you have to have something to keep pushing the narrative forward. So I don't, you know, I don't dislike what he did. I just, you know, there's a lot of stuff that the book goes into a lot more detail. Well, I tell you what, does that account for as well? Let me ask you this. Does that also account for Vendetta Dark? If, you know, if that was ever adapted to the, to the big screen, as far as that, you know, or, uh, you know, or congratulations, you suck. What about that? If that became a movie in the big screen, would you, would you see some differences being played out there? Yeah, just because of, I mean, okay, they're both kind of different. Uh, like Vendetta Dark, yeah, I would play out. I'd have to, you know, it's weird because there are things that, you know, formulas for movies. So Vendetta Dark, like obviously, I'd have to flesh out, you know, the romance stuff a little more, and then uh, the 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 big baddie scene in the end was kind of will have to be less, I don't know, Fantastic Four and more, uh, you know, more action scenes throughout. And then as for like, congratulations, you suck. There would obviously, a lot of the comedy takes place in the character's head. So I would have to figure out a way to like translate that into the the dialogue. So it, they all have their challenges. And you can get Vendetta Dark on Amazon right now. And also congratulations, you suck will be available later this year at Amazon as well. That's why I'm trying to tie that in with the, our noted author here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. So that's uh, something right there for you. I said, oh, yeah, coming soon. But I just want to say again that Ready Player One is a solid experience, both from a reading standpoint and also a visual standpoint. Things I've really never experienced before in in movies and just they're truly awe-inspiring. So just for that alone, people should go see the film because it's just overloading with pop culture goodness. And hopefully if somebody does attempt this again, that it's done with the same taste and the same affection that Ready Player One has for pop culture. What are your thoughts on Ready Player One? Are you excited about seeing the movie? Have you seen it? And are you excited for more projects such as this that delve into pop culture? Or are you just kind of afraid to see everything go astray when it comes to pop culture and just worried that more people will try to just cash in on this type of pop culture nostalgia and just go overboard with it way too much. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, we've got our good friend, Tyler Baker. He is standing by right after the break. He's going to be talking some Netflix 
He's going to be talking about that and some things that maybe you should look out for the next time you go over and, and Netflix right there for you. Plus also as well, later in the broadcast, we've got Josh talking his thoughts on Far Cry 5. And we also have Hunter Vought from the TV Ratings Guide and also our thoughts on Ant-Man as well as we break down the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All that coming up. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Pre-order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. Welcome back. Thank you so much for checking us out and, and staying tuned with us and appreciate everyone out there listening to our show. One thing that is still remains extremely popular is the Netflix streaming channel. Netflix has garnered a library full of so many different programs, both new and old, movies new and old, and and original production and original programming that, you know, so many things to check out. And I know even big fans of Netflix are still having a hard time exactly what do I want to watch? What Should I watch this? Should I watch that? Because Netflix offers so much in as far as a lot of programming is concerned. Here to help me break down some of the best things that are on Netflix currently is my good friend. He is the man behind the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. It's Tyler Baker. What's going on, my friend? Hey, I'm doing well, my friend. I'm not watching game film, so I have time to watch Netflix. And there's some really great stuff on Netflix, all genres. I really like the sci-fi. They have so much, so many really cool sci-fi movies and series on Netflix. Last night, I watched The Titan. Pretty cool movie starring Sam Worthington. You would remember him from Avatar. And actually, it's interesting because this movie ends up being this bluish green guy at the end it's very very uh reminiscent a very good part for sam worthington titan takes place in 2060 and the earth is dying and humanity has to find another place to live and they set their focus on titan which is a moon of saturn and instead of terraforming titan they want to alter the dna of humans so they call it a forced evolution so not to give too much away about the movie but it chronicles the process of them basically experimenting on humans and trying to get their bodies to adapt to the atmosphere on Titan, which is methane and nitrogen and not the oxygen and hydrogen that we have here. So it's very interesting. Another pretty good movie from Netflix, it is an original, reminds me a little bit of Cloverfield Paradox in that Cloverfield Paradox maybe could have been better, but it was still good. In my opinion, it was still good, still worth a watch. I think Titan certainly falls in that category. It wasn't spectacular. And at some points in the movie, and just trying to figure out how it's all fitting together. And then at the end, it's like, okay, well, why did we talk about all this other stuff? So anyway, a little bit reminiscent of Cloverfield Paradox. Still good movie to watch, but Netflix is always putting out 
new content. It seems like daily they're coming out with a new movie or a new series or a new season on a current series. So if you're into sci-fi, Titan is definitely one to check out. There's a lot of other great sci-fi options on Netflix. There's always really good sci-fi content out there. Some of my favorites, Altered Carbon came out not too long ago. Altered Carbon basically tells the story of human consciousness has been digitized and can be downloaded into any body. So it's a really interesting concept. The videography is really cool, kind of reminiscent of Blade Runner. You're a big Blade Runner fan. Not quite as good on the production value. It is dark. It is kind of grim and it is brutal in some places, but it's a very interesting, it shows a struggle between the haves and the have nots in humanity. When, when you take death out of the equation and people can be immortal, it's a really interesting show. Another really good sci-fi show that I found on Netflix is Black Mirror. Black Mirror originally was a UK series. They did two series in UK or two seasons of the series in the UK. And then Netflix picked it up and has done two more series. I'll tell you, it is excellent. And there's four seasons, 19 episodes, and each episode is different. So it's not the same characters or the same actors in every episode telling a story over four seasons. It's all of the uh, episodes are individual and all of them portray the effects of technology on the human experience. And they take place in the not so distant future. So all of these storylines you can kind of relate to and see the technology that we have now and how it could progress and affect humanity. I highly recommend Black Mirror. Now, not every episode I liked, but there are some of those episodes that are really, really good. If I could recommend one, it would be season three, episode one. The name of the episode is Nosedive. It's really good. It kind of shows the effect on social media and how people rate each other on social media. And it kind of takes that to the extreme. Very, very good series in Black Mirror. And of course, I think the best sci-fi series on Netflix has got to be Stranger Things. Stranger Things was such a landmark series for Netflix. Most of you have probably seen it. I'm sure everyone has heard of it. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's so cool. It takes place in the 80s. And I grew up in the 80s. So it reminds me of E.T. It reminds me of Goonies because it basically revolves around a group of kids. It reminds me of the X-Files. And the show is really good in that it's funny it's sad, it's inspiring, it's kind of scary in some places. But what it manages to do is, is it manages to maintain kind of a mystery around it. Like you, for the first season, you don't know what's going on. You have no idea what's going to happen. And they do a really good job of developing the characters and immersing you in the storyline that you just don't know what's going to happen, which is which is what I think sci-fi should be. I think that there should be some mystery to, to sci-fi too answer some of the curiosities that we have about the human experience and about science and technology. So Netflix has a lot of really cool original things. And then of course, Netflix has some of the best just sci-fi movies, period. Did I mention they have Rogue One, a Star Wars movie on Netflix? Come on. A lot like Armageddon right now is on Netflix. A lot of really, really good sci-fi movies are out there right now. Well, I will tell you this. I, I agree with you on Black Mirror. There are several episodes that I find really, really intriguing and really entertaining. And that show, like Stranger Things, have been picked up for additional seasons. So it's great to see more new content from both those shows coming on the way. My personal favorite is the USS McAllister. 
Mm-hmm. And they've even talked about doing a spinoff of that episode and a couple others as well. I know John Hamm was in an episode that was very well done yes. as well. There was, there was also um, one with bees that is also very good. And yeah. one concerning the, I guess, retro 80s, 90s. And it, it goes into one where they're aging and, and uh, they get older, but they go into a different world. San I forgot Junipero. The, Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that is a really, really touching story. Uh, I like those episodes. Those are actually uh, some of the highest rated episodes. So I guess that's easy to draw on as well. And your episode that you mentioned is an extremely highly rated one as well. But yes, it is uh, something that people need to check out Black Mirror as it comes into a new season, but definitely check out the old seasons as well, because some of the best material comes from that. And of course, Stranger Things, obviously, that's the case. Altered Carbon, I would like to have gotten into it more, but unfortunately, it kind of stalled for me. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of found a little bit of issues with that, but I am probably in the minority when it comes to that. I know that a lot of people really, truly like Altered Carbon and its take on, like you said, a lot of the Blade Runner themes that it draws upon and the influence that it has upon that show. So definitely some great choices as well, but not everybody's a sci-fi fan, amazingly yeah. enough. But <laughs> yeah. there are some also other great shows on the network that you're following. So tell me some of the other great things on Netflix that people do need to check out. More than sci-fi, I actually watch a lot of the documentaries. I love documentaries. There are some very good ones right now. The Unsold History of the United States by Oliver Stone. I've been watching that. I haven't finished it. There was a new one that came out wild wild country is that the name of it wild wild country yeah i watched that i'll tell you it's long and it is it is very detailed if you want to know everything about what happened with this cult up in oregon back in the 80s watch it it's it's 10 one hour plus episodes but it told a really good story that really looked at the role of religion in in local politics and how there was just a big struggle there not going to get too much into it if i had to pick one documentary that probably affected me the most other than all of the Ken Burns documentaries, and they're all up there. The Civil War, baseball, my favorite national parks is up there. Also, all of the the uh, Planet Earth ones with David Attenborough narrating. Those are all fantastic. But if I had to pick one documentary that is my favorite, it would have to be Winter on Fire. Not only it does it have the best title I've ever heard of, Winter on Fire, but it is a very raw street level look at the Ukrainians people's fight for independence against Russia, a nonviolent fight. And so these people just would not stop protesting until the Ukrainian government separated itself from Russia. It is an amazing documentary. It is so inspiring and it really shows the best of humanity. So if there is one documentary that I think is a must watch on Netflix, it would have to be winter on fire. Wow. Those are some great choices. Indeed. Once again, it's Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. When the football season comes around and you're ready to get your team started <laughs> and whatnot, you got to check out that show. But I know he's got a lot of other stuff in preparation for that that you might want to check out as well. One last thing on Netflix, Tyler, I want to ask real quick, is there anything else as far as it's concerned? You talked about documentaries. You talked about the movies. You talked about also the great sci-fi that's on there. Is there anything else that's there or upcoming that you're interested in or that you think people should know about when it comes to Netflix? 
Well, starting in April, they're going to have have some releases coming out. Bad Boys is going to be on there. Friday Night Lights, Scarface, Seven, Sin City, The Iron Giant, Lost in Space. I'm definitely going to make some time to watch season one. Uh, That'll be April 13th. That's going to be coming out. There's just so much on there. You can't watch it all. So just get on there, browse around, but don't neglect the Netflix originals. Netflix is really coming out with some really cool stuff. And I know that there's some of the old favorites up there. Like I think I watched Beer Fest the other night, which is a totally dumb movie. But when it's late at night and you worked all day and you want just some mindless entertainment, you know, there's there's pretty much something for everyone out there. And you can't watch it all. Uh, so don't try. Just Just flip around. There's plenty of stuff. Find something. Sit back, relax, and enjoy commercial-free programming. Well, I especially like what you said about the Iron Giant, which is conveniently coming out uh, just uh, a couple days after the release of Ready Player One, where the Iron Giant is prominently featured. So that's definitely something to look out for. And I know a lot of people did not get a chance to see the movie and have not checked it out over the years and and are now going to be curious about the Iron Giant. So definitely going to check out that movie, which, again... It's a very highly rated movie, a very well thought of movie, but something that just didn't click at that time with audiences and that it hopefully will now find a home. I know Steven Spielberg has always had a place in his heart for it. And obviously that shows if you can check out Ready Player One as well this weekend or if you check it out in the theaters upcoming as well. So before we head on out, I got to ask you, my friend. So what are you taking care of as far as upcoming things for the Fantasy Football Pater podcast? we can't draw any real conclusions until the draft happens and the draft is right around the corner. So right now I'm just looking at some of the guys that are coming up from college, watching a little bit of film, just reading up on these guys. It's kind of a fool's errand to anticipate the draft or, you know, make any predictions about the draft because as far as fantasy football, it doesn't matter until these guys get drafted. But once the draft happens and once we begin to see how these teams are starting to come together, then we can start looking at some of the coaching changes, some of the scheme changes and the personnel changes and looking at all of those factors, then we can start to make some solid educated predictions about what to expect in this coming up fantasy football season. So until the draft happens, there's really not a lot to do. So I'll be at home playing Rainbow Six Siege and watching Netflix. Sounds good, my friend. Two great things to do indeed. Once again, it is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. When it goes back live again, you got to check it out each week on Apple Podcasts. Tyler, it's been so great having you on the show. I expect another Netflix report here coming up in the month of April. So you got to check back in with us as far as what's going on with the world of Netflix and cannot wait to hear you talk about that great streaming channel and all of its great content sometime soon. Oh, I so much look forward to coming back. Thanks a lot, Gerald. Thanks so much as well. And we truly appreciate, again, you always being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey everyone, it's Rob McCallum and I'm back with a new series that centers on the world of crowdfunding. I call it Backed or Busted. It's real simple. Every week I take a Shark Tank-like look at live campaigns on Kickstarter and Indiegogo and determine if they should be backed or if they're busted. If they should be backed, then I invest in the project, plunk down real money, and become a backer. If the project doesn't cut it, 
Then it gets no love from me, and I label it busted for the entire world to see. In addition, you'll discover amazing new projects, inventive products, creative endeavors, and you'll see what works and what doesn't work in the multi-billion dollar crowdfunding industry that makes turning your dream project into a reality more than possible. So check out Backed or Busted episodes at facebook.com slash backed or busted crowdfunding. And if you want me to help your campaign become truly awesome, send me a message. That's Backed or Busted at facebook.com slash backed or busted crowdfunding. We are back again. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos. Gerald Glassford here from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. If by any chance you need help finding where to go to check out our shows, the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse, those shows drop Monday and Friday on over 30 different podcasting networks. Just subscribe, download on any one of those channels, including Apple Podcasts. And again, like I said, over 30 more podcasting networks plus we're also being streamed on online radio stations seven days a week we're just truly happy to be on all those different networks and we thank you so much and like i said if you have any issues on where to find us check out our pop culture cosmos facebook page and we have a listing of everywhere we're at josh you've got a great thing going on at humanica media so tell us what's going on in your world when it comes to humanica media Right. We have a new episode of Topicocalypse going live tomorrow morning. You can check out the latest Super BS, now available on iTunes. And there is a list of games coming out in April for you to check out, narrated by Brian from the Super BS Games cast. And also, also check us out on the Podcast Radio Network every Tuesday night at 6.30. It's 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. Close again, my friend. Again, And so, Josh, I tell you what, right now we've got a great thing going on when it comes to Far Cry 5, and you have actually had a chance to sit down and play through the game extensively. It has garnered solid reviews across the board, and it, and it is well thought of by gamers. I was worried that this would be a situation where Far Cry 5 is one too many Far Cries, but it looks like I'm wrong about that. And actually, I'm very delighted to say that as far as a, you know, a gaming contingent is concerned. Is that correct, or is it something a little bit different for you? No, it's fun. I, I wish that it was something that they would carry over to like Assassin's Creed just because the open world is just beautiful. If they had an Assassin's Creed game like that where you can just go to different places instead of being confined within the walls of, of cities. Oh, I guess um, you know, the new Assassin's Creed is kind of like that. But just like the texture and everything is it just it looks so real. Whereas Assassin's Creed still looks, you know, really video gamey. But Yes, it's a very great game. You know, I love just being able to walk around and instead of having to go to different places and look for side quests, look for missions, look for interest points, they have them all listed out in your menu. You know, you still have to go find them, but it shows you like what you've done and it has like the names of the stuff you still need to go find. So I like that. I like it a lot. And there are times like it is Uh, You know, I'm playing it on normal and it is a very challenging game. They have points when you have to like protect a certain area or you have to hang out till backup arrives. And it is just a constant flood of like angry cult like rednecks just running at you all the time. And like these characters in this game, you know, when we get to the cult, they are terrifying. I love how Ubisoft is always like they're not afraid to dive into the concepts of American politics where 
you know, you see like in Assassin's Creed games, the bad guys is, is clearly an undertone for the right versus left. And then same thing in Far Cry. It's like everyone was looking at the game like, oh, my, they're they're doing this. And the, it's make it this is basically everyone's like, oh, they're like showing what the right really is. But it's like it's showing the different factions of the right and shows kind of how ridiculous like our politics have become, how like even groups in the right groups in the left kind of split up into these different extremes so that's all that's interesting to explore that theme it's cool too in the fact that you can when you go into these different strongholds you can summon allies so you can go you do favors for people like i got a dog i rescued the dog from the cage and there's another time where i i helped this guy uh, i you know i helped him with his airplane and now i can summon him whenever like things get tough and the game is does not shy away from telling you like, you know how when you do an open world game, you have the option of like putting the story off if you want to. In this game, it does not shy away from like telling you like, hey, before you do any more, like you need to go and do this story mission because I was doing a lot of side quests. And then the game finally like put me in a position where I absolutely had to do this story because it triggered the cutscenes. So you can be out exploring one of the games like, all right, you know, you've kind of gone far enough. You shouldn't go into this area until you progress further in the story. It'll it'll trigger the cutscene, and all of a sudden you'll be sucked into it. So it, it's fun. It's definitely, it's really cool. Everything's super open. Montana is a beautiful place to be exploring. It's not as like, for those of you who have been to Montana, you know you can drive around for literally hours and just run into nothing. Luckily, all the stuff that you need in this game is pretty localized, so you don't have to uh, spend two or three hours crossing a map and finding nothing. So you can search all these areas. You have allies. You're building a resistance. It's kind of like Assassin's Creed, where I want to say it was the second Assassin's Creed, where you have to go in and you have to rescue the, the people being held hostage in exchange for saving their life. They join your assassin rank or whatever. In this one, you rescue basically residents of Montana, and in exchange for rescuing them, they join what's called the little resistance you're forming. So it's, um, you know, in the I have a feeling this is all going to come together in the end. But no, I'm digging it so far. I'm going to try to get a review up here soon. Well, that's great to hear, and it sounds like a very positive review indeed coming up. That's going to be available on our Pop Culture Cosmos site. You got to check it out this week when it hits popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And I'll tell you what, it looks like Far Cry 5 is going to be another solid entry into this series. And hopefully that will lead into more great DLC and more great things put into it and allow it to be able to breathe and prosper as a Far Cry game instead of bringing out another one real quick like they did before. So hopefully they learn their lesson as they have with the Assassin's Creed series and be able to let this one prosper to its fullest extent. What are your thoughts on Far Cry 5? Do you like it as much as Josh does or do you have issues with it? Is it great going into that world of Montana and going ahead and experiencing all the pseudo-political things that are going on within that game? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. When we come back, Hunter Vaught from the tvratingsguide.com. He is going to be talking a lot about TV ratings. He's going to be coming up here in a couple seconds right after the break to talk about that and a whole lot more as we get into a lot of TV ratings talk. And after that, Josh and I will be back to talk Ant-Man and is it worthy of a sequel? This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. 
For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. History began on July 4th, 1776. Stay thirsty, my friends. Chubbies going back to the 1970s. No, I don't believe it. Well, it's uh, channel clicking season once again. We've got a lot of great things to talk about when it comes to the TV world. And who better to talk about it than our good friends at the TV Ratings Guide? You've got to check out the TVRatingsGuide.com for all the great things going on in TV Ratings Land with reviews, stories, original scripts, and updates and news on the TV Ratings world. No, it's not Jessica. She's a little under the weather today, but we got an outstanding fill-in. He's returned to us after a long hiatus. It's our good friend, Hunter Vaught. How are you today, my friend? Oh, I'm good. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Oh, it's great to have you here indeed. I know Jessica wanted to be here as well. I know Jonathan Dakota, he also wanted to be here as well. Just get them later on down the road and they'll come back and Talk to us about all those great things with Nashville. But we won't go there. I had to get that little little shab in there because it's no longer available. But it is a great time indeed to be a TV fan because there are a lot of spring premieres. Some shows that debuted in December and January are now uh, going off the air. I know The Alienist, uh, which is a favorite of mine and I recommend highly to binge. That just finished its season a 10-episode run, a pretty strong ratings, although it kind of dipped on the last end of it. But there are a lot of great spring premieres coming out, my friend. Obviously, we know about Roseanne and how well it did across all the demographics all around the country. First off, we'll lead in with that show. It did a, a tremendous amount of viewers, I believe above 18 million, if I'm not mistaken, as far as in its first episode. But the question, I guess, already is, Will it maintain its large audience, or if it does fall, how far do you think it will go? That is a very good question. With revivals that we've had recently, we've seen a pretty poor trajectory, like looking at Will and Grace, which premiered this last fall, or The X-Files, which had one season a couple years back. It was just six episodes, so it didn't have much room to fall. But then it came back again this last winter, and it was much weaker this time. With Roseanne, I think there is the potential for it to hold up better because its premiere was very well received, and it grew at 8.30. It was an hour-long premiere at 8, and the 8.30 half hour did better than the 8 o'clock half hour. And it's getting so much news coverage. Like, everyone is talking about Roseanne. So I think it has the potential to do very well in week two for a revival. Who knows what that will be, because looking at, for example, Will and Grace, that's the best example since also a comedy and returned so recently, it had a 3.0 in its first week, and then a 2.0 in the second week, which is still a strong rating, but it's quite a big fall. That's a third of the audience. And both of those shows, mind you, have been renewed for next season already, is that correct? Yes, Will and Grace 
was renewed for an additional season recently, so it has two more seasons coming up that are confirmed. And then Roseanne was just two days after the ratings came out for its premiere, it was renewed for another season, which will be 13 episodes this time, which I think was the most they could get with that asked. That's true, because the cast, since the actual show originally appeared, a lot of them, like Laura Metcalf, was nominated for an Oscar. John Goodman, who who does so many uh, movies out there. there, And obviously, uh, Sarah Gilbert as well, that you know she obviously has a lot to do during the daytime with her talk show. Those individuals, it, definitely uh, with the time and whatnot. So it's hard to get them all together for a full 22-week season. So definitely uh, 13 is not unreasonable by any stretch of the imagination. So... You know, yeah. a lot of people will be going back and forth on how much that show will drop in the ratings. But I think, it, like you said, I think for at least for the short term, at least it's going to probably have some really strong numbers. And I think because of the support it has and also because it, like you said, stays in the news and it's out front in there. And I think whether you like it or don't like it, it's going to have <laughs> a contingent of individuals watching for at least some time to come. But there's also many other spring premieres on the way. I know there's some good news for a lot of people that like FX's Legion. I know that's something else that's coming out very soon. But there's some also other great shows. Atlanta, which is also very highly rated on FX. But there's so many more spring premieres that I know you want to touch on. So which other shows are you keying in on as far as the spring premieres go? And and which ones do you think will really hold out for the long term? Looking at just broadcast shows, ABC had uh, Station 19 that is doing decent ratings. It held up really well after its premiere actually grew from its premiere. So that one is looking like it's going to be a solid performer, nothing spectacular. Just a Grey's Anatomy spinoff, for those who don't know. It's going to be something, looks like it's going to be something solid. The new comedy Splitting Up Together, which premiered the same night as Roseanne, had a very good premiere rating. It'll probably fall from that because... Roseanne will likely fall, but it's it's still looking like it's going to do well and get a second season. Spring really hasn't been very kind to most of the networks, but winter was pretty good when you look at Fox. That network decided to really avoid spring when it came to premieres and focused on winter premieres. They had a big hit in 911. The Resident is doing pretty well on Monday nights, even though early on it had to take a couple weeks off for the Olympics. How well is L.A. to Vegas staying on the Fox area as far as it's concerned? How how well is that one doing? Because that one premiered pretty much in line on the same area of time with the hit 911. That is a very good question. Um, L.A. to Vegas is really a bubble show, one that could come back but, or could not come back. It's hard to say. I'm, I was recently leaning that it was not going to come back, but now I'm thinking it will. Because Fox comedy is going to be a very interesting category to watch as we head into upfronts this may because so much of it is unknown in fact like for their live action comedies the only two that i feel confident about are brooklyn 99 that's going to come back and ghosted that that's going to get canceled they also have la to vegas the new show we just mentioned and two returning comedies the mick and the last man on earth their fates are really unknown and i'm leaning right now that uh, L.A. to Vegas and The Mick, the two Tuesday comedies, are going to come back while The Last Man on Earth won't. But that show has been around a while. And once a show hit, gets into its third or fourth season, if it's anywhere near the bubble, usually 
if it's in its third or fourth season and it's not long enough to maybe get a full syndication deal because it doesn't go over that magical number of episodes, it usually uh, networks decide to go ahead and pull the plug on those type of shows. Yeah, that's true. And that's the situation with The Last Man on Earth. It is um, it had 13 episodes in its first season and then 18 episodes in the following seasons. And even if it gets to the magical around 88 numbers, that uh, 80 episodes that they're trying to get to, would that be a show that they could sell into syndication? Because it's so heavily serialized that you can't really just watch an episode out of order, like I said, from a few I've heard or standalone episodes and enjoy it. So it doesn't really have that syndication potential. It's, its target is probably more streaming or something. So it's possible that Fox will want a solid conclusion for the show and renew it for a short final season or something like that. Or it's possible that they'll be like, this isn't a show that's going to gain new viewers. It's not doing very well for us. We have a crowded schedule now and we're going to have to let it go. Hunter, I want to ask you again about going back to the spring premieres because there got to be some things that I know spring it usually has a downward trend as far as audience uh, participation, maybe viewing, things of that nature. The numbers seem to go traditionally a little bit down. But there are some spring premieres that I know a lot of people are are thinking about or looking forward to. Into the Badlands, Fear of the Walking Dead, I know are on the way in April. But are there some other shows that you're looking at with spring premieres that are of interest to you or maybe interest to our listeners out there? Well, if you're looking for a new show this spring that hasn't that's like coming up. The Crossing premieres on Monday on ABC. That's like the final broadcast premiere of the season, I believe, of new shows. And that one, the pilot episode has actually been released on Hulu and other places online already. So you can check that out or you can check it out on Monday nights on ABC. It's the kind of show that they're trying to appeal to that sci-fi sort of audience because the show is about these refugees that are showing up on the shore and they discover the huge twist here is that they're from the future. They come from this country, but from the future. So it's a very sci-fi show with a really interesting concept that might appeal to people. They're ABC's advertising it as the, from the network that brought you lost. So that's what they're trying to go after there. Oh, don't get me started on Lost. Uh, you know, everybody will go to that ending, and there you go. But, uh, I what have about strong feelings about that ending? But I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep that. You down. know, that's for another day. That's for definitely another day, indeed. But uh, one last thing, as far as it's concerned, NBC and CBS. We've talked about ABC. We've talked about Fox, but NBC and CBS. NBC actually, in my opinion, has had a decent year as far as with some other shows. Superstore, I know, has has actually, uh, in its third or fourth season now, has really started to gain an, a foothold in an audience, plus also as well some other shows with NBC. So they're they're no longer, uh, uh, you know, considered uh, a laughing stock or anything of that nature like there was a period of time that they were. There was also, a, you know, CBS as, as the, uh, I guess, most successful broadcast network out there obviously has a lot of great successes, but there's also some things to look forward to as well. What are some of the things that are going on with NBC and CBS? NBC is doing pretty well when it comes to returning shows. They have, with comedy, Superstore, which you mentioned, as well as The Good Place, which 
surprised a lot of people in its second season as it actually did a little bit better than it did in its first season in the ratings, which usually it's a downward trend. So that one seems to be a show that's gained viewers through Netflix and other areas. So that's the on the comedy side. For dramas, they have uh, the Chicago franchise as well as Law & Order SVU that are doing well. And can't forget the big hit, This Is Us, which NBC decided to actually put over after the Super Bowl, and it did incredibly well. And it's just been doing really well this whole season. Can't forget The Voice, taking up three hours of the schedule in the fall and spring. CBS, especially, there's Tuesday night lineup with NCIS, Bull, and NCIS New Orleans. It's a very big lineup in total viewers, especially NCIS. It's a huge hit. Is there any shows on the network that stick out to you as as one maybe people should watch that they're not watching quite as much? Yeah, um, the comedy Superior Donuts, which airs on Monday nights. It's a bubble show right now, and so I'd like to encourage everyone to watch it because it's a good show. It's one of my favorite comedies on the network. My favorite two on the network are That and Mom on Thursday nights. It handles a lot of issues, and it does it really well, I think. And it's funny, usually, when it does those. That's that's correct. Judd Hirsch is, is back on television again, leading this show. Uh, I'm not sure he's having the same kind of success as he did with Taxi, but still, it's just great to have him on the air. And I, like you said, that is a very entertaining show, so I hope people get a chance to see it and, and help support it. Because like you said, it's right on the cut line that you're estimating right now at TVRG. So... Well, uh, once again, uh, you know, it's just so great to have you on. It is Hunter Vaught. You can contact him on Twitter at Hunter V-O-G-T. That's at Hunter V-O-G-T. If you have any questions for him on the TV rating scene or also as well through TV Ratings Guide and TVRatingsGuide.com, there are the place to go as far as reviews, Renew Cancel Index, articles, features, original programming that they have exclusive to TVRG that, well, actually it's not so exclusive because they actually send it out to us and we're so blessed <laughs> to actually also present it as well at the Pop Culture Cosmos with their original shows that they're doing. So definitely check that out as well on their platform. It is tvratingsguide.com. And I'll tell you what, you know, are you working on anything right now for TVRG at this point in time? Well, I'm uh, working on mostly reviews right now for the site, and as well as the ABC Renew Cancel column, which I post usually on Fridays. So I just had one that I posted about my first predictions for the new comedy splitting up together in Alex Inc. And then I'll be doing one coming up on Friday for the new drama, The Crossing. Once again, it is Hunter Vod. You can reach him at the TV Ratings Guide and TVRatingsGuide.com to check out all of his great work today and everyone else's for that matter because TVRG is the place to go for everything TV ratings. Hunter, it's been so great having you on. And, and again, you are welcome back. Jess, when she's feeling better, is welcome back. I know, like you said, you had the upfronts in May coming up, so definitely looking forward to hearing from both you, Jess, Jonathan, and anyone else at the TVRG as well. Yeah, it's going to be a hectic time. Looking forward to it. I am as well, and unfortunately, there will be no Nashville around the talk. <laughs> but again, it's great having you on, Hunter, and, and great having you a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. 
If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. want to thank so much. Hunter Vaught from the TV Ratings Guide.com and also as well Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast for stopping in for today's show to share us their thoughts on Netflix and also the great TV rating scene. Josh, before we head on out, as we break down the Marvel Cinematic Universe movie by movie, as we head into Avengers The Infinity War later this month, can you believe it? It's this month coming to theaters. We're breaking down the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're up to Ant-Man. And it, it was a nice little heist picture. And I'm comparing it a lot to Solo that's coming out later this year as well on Memorial Day weekend. That it is a nice heist picture with some superhero elements, of course. But it garnered, what, a little bit between four and $500 million at the box office. Not a great performance of modern Marvel Cinematic Universe standards compared to the other movies around it that have performed a lot better. But it still has its fans as far as a, a nice little movie is concerned. Uh, but I ask you, Josh, because of its performance overall, was it worthy of a sequel which is coming out later this year in The Ant-Man and the Wasp? I think so. It was weird with Ant-Man because they, I had a, you know, I was just discussing this with someone today. They're like, I didn't know that phase two ended with Ant-Man. I was saying to them, I'm like, yeah, it was a risky film. And, you know, it took them a really long time to get that into production. Like we were hearing about that for like, I want to say three or four years before they even start filming as rumored Edgar Wright was working on it. And, uh, you know, what would this movie be? He's going to, you know, he said it's going to be a heist film and Marvel fans were like, what? That does not make sense with what they're going for. But anyways, it was good. It's kind of like it, it was in the right place. You know, it came at the right time where everyone was like Age of Ultron came out to very mixed reviews amongst fans and critics and just people who went to go see it. And it was like is the tone was very dark and it was such like it it ended with like you could see the tension between the avengers building into um civil war but uh it kind of was like a vacation you know is a break from the drama it just puts you into it it was like a standalone film it's kind of like what they did with black panther it stood this was a movie where it could literally stand on its own you could not you know with the exception of the falcon scene like it could literally exist on its own and that was cool it's kind of like a break you know you got to see a more lighthearted superhero in the midst of a very dark place for the marvel cinematic universe and it's the same thing with ant-man and wasp i'm I'm, it's cool to see that come out after avengers infinity war because we're obviously something bad is going to happen in this movie and then we'll get a little break you know with uh ant-man and wasp so as for the movie itself i think it's important um ant-man for people who've been reading the comic books or even like watching the cartoons ant-man is a very important character in the the Avengers, the decision to use Scott Lang instead of Hank Pym. Well, he's in the movie, but you know, as far as like playing, actually playing Ant Man goes, like that was a weird one because uh, Scott Lang's from the West Coast Avengers and he actually doesn't really have you know that great of a backstory. But 
it opens up another side of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe that they can explore in films outside of Ant-Man as far as like the quantum universe goes. Curious to see where it's going, but obviously Ant-Man and Wasp have to have some kind of tie-in because Evangeline Lilly, uh, I guess, was saying she's in Avengers 4, so... It's got to have some kind of buildup. I like the film. It was it, it was a nice little break from the seriousness of it all, and it was it was the Marvel film that that we needed. You know, it kind of broke up the monotony of it all. Yes, there could have been other films that could have gone in its place, but it's nice to see that Marvel does recognize and does have a plan for even smaller films such as Ant Man and the Wasp. What are your thoughts on Ant Man and the Wasp? Are you excited to see it? Do you really like Ant-Man as far as the first movie is concerned? And do you like the fact that it is getting a sequel? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. So Josh, any last thoughts on the way out? Play Far Cry. And I'm also in the middle of a game on the Switch called Lost Fear, which I think we talked about before, but... That will also have a review going up soon. Not my favorite game, but um, you'll be able to hear more about that soon. That's great to hear indeed. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey there, folks. My name is JC Delatore. And I'm Rita Delatore. And we are Transmissions from Atlantis, an original member of the ESO Network, and we are excited to tell you all about our podcast. Well, it's everything science fiction, fantasy, horror. And every single episode will have a segment of Doctor Who. Let's give everybody a taste. I have my two minutes. Yes. Okay, then. So no interrupting. Go ahead. Fine. You're using up your two minutes. Shut up. You're You're interrupting me. Stop (laughs) it. You're now up to 50 seconds. (laughs) This was worse than Kill the Moon. It was not worse than Kill the Moon. I would take the moon as an egg before I would take a bunch of trees, sprout up overnight, save the earth, and then magically... And where did the trees go? Where did the trees go? Yes. Transmissions from Atlantis. Class.
classy sci-fi pop culture discussions. Check us out, transmissionsfromatlantis.com. Last time on the Skip and Josh podcast. If that's not a charge, then nothing is a charge anymore. I don't know how I don't know how anybody can say that was not a charge. And all the Duke haters are going to flood our inbox with, "Yeah, that was a foul. Get over it and whatever." But like honestly, like that's a charge, you know? The Skip and Josh podcast is on now. Hello. Hey, Skippy. Hey, great to talk to you again. It's been such a long time since we've spoken. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> right. I'm so happy because, you know, the sun is shining a little bit outside. I don't know mm-hmm. how it is in Toronto, but the weather is getting better here. Here, too. Um, It's like that time of year. Friend of the Boy, show, Mark, in Philadelphia. I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. We always used to say this. You get to a certain point. Where you look outside and you feel the air and you smell the air and you feel the temperature and you feel that baseball is right around the corner. It was easier to feel that when Montreal actually had a baseball team. Yes, because you would start to get the anticipation of the season. But you must get all that in Toronto or do you just ignore it? No, no, no. We we totally like it totally happens here. I mean, I don't get excited like I used to get because I'm not a Jays fan. I'm not a fan of any team. Right. Um, I do like baseball. And it's weird because young people don't like baseball because it's a very slow game. They hate it. My son Um, is not interested at all. Yeah, and and I'm 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 starting to wonder. I mean, I I do like baseball, but why do I like it? Maybe because it is a slow game. I don't well, know. Look, look, the regular season baseball is is a Ironman marathon. You know, it's a super long marathon. It's a grind. It's very hard to get into regular season baseball. You know, it's the most fun to go watch a game. I still think I still love to go any. I'll go to any ballpark and watch any game, even if the teams are in last. It's meaningless, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Just to go to a ballpark and sit there and enjoy the baseball is is an experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which I love. I love, but you know, regular season baseball is. It's not like you know we're not holding our you know on the edge of our seat on every play of every game that being said we devoted many many episodes of this podcast to playoff baseball which is spectacular <laughs> you it know is, it is it, i mean there's only you know the two favorite two favorite months are march and october because march has march madness and october has playoff baseball yeah that six weeks or so of playoff baseball is is spectacular honestly it's 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 amazing you know so um, that being said, uh, like, so you're saying, you were saying like, we don't have the lead up here in Montreal anymore because, you know, we don't have the newspapers or the, the local press covering a team. There is no team. So what we do have is, uh, the Jays coming to town for a couple of days to play like a preseason game. That's already the fifth year, I guess. I'm not even sure. It is the fifth year. Yes. And it's two preseason games. So I haven't been to any of the games. I've been to three of them. Any of the years. I don't know. You've, you've gone often when you can. Um, it's is, usually it's usually a packed house, right? It's fifty thousand fans per game usually. Yes. Um, but you just mentioned to me in a text earlier today, like, "Hey, turn on the TV. Did you notice that the whole upper deck is empty?" Yeah. 
And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, look, I, I never I never had any interest in going to these games. I don't. You didn't even watching. know there was a game today. I The only reason why I knew is because there was some stuff on social media among the expo groups and, and Twitter accounts, you know, because there was a few expo events this weekend, you know, like they always do. Tim Raines is in town, Ellis Valentine, Steve Rogers, David Palmer, if you want a real blast from the past. I remember him very well. Yeah. Uh, Chris Spire, I think. Oh, so, he was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> he was not that was good. like an automatic out every time like why, why like that that guy would never survive in this day and age back no. then the shortstop all he had to do was make every defensive play it didn't matter if he batted below 200 but these days yeah. shortstops can actually hit shortstops are your best player yeah yeah you know, uh, <laughs> right look at houston right <laughs> exactly um but uh yeah my dad used to say chris spire oh yeah He's a grounder outer. Like, <laughs> that's what he called him, you know? Your dad's he, wise beyond his yeah, ears. Yeah, you knew it. He's like, oh, he's a grounder outer. And the thing about Chris Byer, he wasn't even that good defensively. <laughs> yeah, he was just whatever. He was okay. Average. He was okay. Anyway, so we're getting into the some Expos nostalgia. But that being said, you know, it's this time of year. It's time for our baseball preview, right? Major League Baseball. Yes, and the only reason I want to do a baseball preview, it's mm. not because I know anything about baseball. <laughs> it's because I want to mark down all our predictions and then in October yeah. or November, look back and see how many we got wrong. Because We had, a lot, be a, we lot. had a lot right last year and a lot wrong. Um, I think we were 50-50 maybe. Yeah. So I was doing my research today. I did and, a little bit. And I was a little bit worried like when I'm looking at all the division winners that we're about to reveal mm-hmm. <laughs> that we're pretty much going to be on the same page for all of them. <laughs> I don't know because you don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what you're going to say. I think the division winners kind of pick themselves in most cases. Um, I, I think I'm going to have a couple of different things. Yeah. Yeah. So that being said, let's uh, – you want to get started with some – the 2018 Major League Baseball preview? Yes, I do. Love it. So- we're going to start with the AL East. Mm-hmm. And so my pick to win the AL East yeah. is the Boston Red Sox. And the reason is um, they were a very good team last year. Yeah. And they added J.D. Martinez, who, you know, could be an MVP. Um, that's a huge addition to the team. So that's my pick for the AL East. It's the first time J.D. Martinez has ever been mentioned in the MVP in the same sentence. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's a fine player, but I don't know about MVP. Um, I also have the Red Sox as a division winner. Okay. Um, by the way, I'm recording all this for posterity. Is that the word? Yes. Well, we, we are posting this as a podcast, so the whole world no, can hear it. But I mean, I'm also actually Writing typing, down. typing yeah, everything that, that you're saying. That's good. That's good. So, I mean, look, I think it comes down to, to the Red Sox and Yankees, right? I mean, in this division, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Yankees yeah. had a huge year last year. I think they won 100 games. It was completely kind of out of the blue. No one saw them getting this good this fast, so to speak, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, and now they've got Stanton, right? So they have Judge and Stanton. That's 100 home runs right in the middle of the order. Chicks dig the long ball. And that being said, I'm still not picking them. I'm not sold on their pitching staff. I'm not sold on their depth. I don't think Judge and Stanton are good hitters. If, if you understand what I'm saying. I do, do I understand think what you're saying. Do I think they're each going to hit 50 home runs and each go, drive in 100 runs? Of course. But that doesn't mean they're good hitters. That means they're good home run hitters. Um, and I think the Red Sox are just a more balanced team. They were missing the power after David Ortiz retired. They've got J.D. Martinez now, which will help with that. 
And I just like their rotation better. Like Chris Sale is is an ace, and the Yankees are relying on Severino, who's going to be their ace. And I don't know, is can he do it again? I don't know. They also have a new manager, Aaron Boone. I don't like Joe Girardi. Got a lot of criticism from us too in the playoffs. He seemed to be asleep, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but um, I don't know. I think the Yankees are in a little bit, are kind of situation like that I described with the Leafs, although the Leafs are kind of proving me wrong so far, in that everything was gravy last year. It was all bonus. It was unexpected. And now the pressure's on. Now, all of a sudden, all the Yankee sports writers are not going to accept, like, oh, yeah, we're overachieving. They are expecting 100 wins on the division, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that I think the pressure's going to be on, and I think that's the Yankees are going to start to feel that. One thing that the Yankees do do better than the Red Sox and almost every other team in Major League Baseball is the Yankees' bullpen is very underrated. And I'm not even talking about Araldis Chapman. I'm talking about all the other guys in their bullpen. They have, they have from top to bottom, I think, the best bullpen in baseball. Well, they've always had that, even going back to like Derek Jeter days. Like that's been like the calling card of the team. I mean, it helps when they had Mariana Rivera for twenty years, so they're always able to get a seventh inning guy, an eighth inning guy, and they still have it now. You know, so yeah, that it is definitely if they can make it to the playoffs, which I do expect them to be a wild card. Um, oh, you've already uh, divulged. The, yeah, the, future. the bullpen is huge, right? I mean, it's a huge factor. You saw how important it was in the playoffs this past year. Do you, I don't want to like just pass over the AL East. I want to stay on the AL East for a second, just because of the Canadian content. Of course. Like, what do you? I don't think we're going to do this in any of the other divisions to talk about the third, fourth, or fifth place teams. <laughs> but um, like the Jays, like what's the feeling in Toronto about this? Well, season? I, I, you know, the feeling in Toronto of other people is everyone's excited about the season, and I guess you know, in in uh, March. Everyone's excited about their team, and everyone thinks their team is going to win the World Series. But the truth is, my opinion— It's not a good team. (laughs) Well, I I don't think it's a good team. I mean, okay, let's let's look at the team. So they're basically—they're the same thing behind the plate. They got Russell Martin. They're the same at first base, Justin Smoke. At second base, they they have Devin Travis. That's the same. At shortstop, they don't even have Troy Tulowitzki because he's injured. But let's assume he comes back soon, which Man. probably isn't going to happen. Yeah. So that's the same. And, jo- and Josh Donaldson's at third. So their yeah. infield's the same. And their center fielder, Kevin Pillar, is the same. So the team is, other than their left fielder and their right fielder, they're starting eight. Oh, and I forgot about Kendris Morales, the DH. So other than left field and right field, the starting lineup is pretty much the same. And so they added um, Curtis Granderson, and I think his name is Randall Grichuk as their other outfielder. Yeah, he's underrated. Um, yeah, he's underrated. And by the way, Curtis Granderson, I know like he's nothing special, but he actually did have a good spring forever for whatever that's worth. Curtis Granderson's um, fine. It's just that he cannot hit a left-handed pitching whatsoever. Okay, so I mean, so they're they're line, but the thing is. All those guys are now a year older. Yeah, Justin yeah. Smoke had a career year. He was an all-star. He's not going to do that again. Russell Martin's a year older, and he's a catcher. And and being a catcher, I don't need to tell you, it takes a beating on you. Also, um, the health. The health is a factor because well, that's what I'm half the guys you just mentioned are always injured. Yeah, right? Troy Especially... Tulowitzki is injured now and will get injured again. Josh yeah. Donaldson was injured last year, and in fact, he didn't even make the trip with the team exactly. to Montreal because he doesn't want to play on the turf at Olympic Stadium. Um, and he missed a few games during spring training. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have. Uh, 
high hopes for this team. Now, their starting rotation is still excellent. They still have Marco Estrada and Marcus Stroman and Jay Happ. Aaron Sanchez. And and, and Aaron Sanchez. Um, No, no, no. Their rotation's good. But they had their rotation last year, and they were lousy. The team sucked. Actually, I mean, they weren't weren't lousy. No, no, but they weren't good. They weren't they weren't great. Um, I think honestly, I think it's time now because I don't think they're going to win, especially with, you know, the Red Sox and the Yankees loading up as they did in the offseason. I think it's time for the Jays to start, you know, building for the future. They do have quite a decent farm system. You know, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is in their system. And this other guy, Bichette, is in their system. And they're starting the season in double A, I think, both of them. But, I mean, some people say they might be in the majors, you know, before the All-Star break. Who knows? Right. Um, If they can get anything for their older guys, like, I don't know if you could get anything for Tulowitzki. Um, You could definitely get something for Josh Donaldson. I don't know if you could get anything for Russell Martin. Yeah. But I think they it's should... going to be yeah, it's going to be interesting when they get close to the trading deadline. Then the Jays are going to have to decide if they're going to be buyers or sellers, and they're going to have to figure out what they want to do, right? Right. So they they have a few months to decide. Like you said, I'm I'm not holding hope for the Jays, and 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 it's too bad because I know that the fans are passionate. It's a passionate fan base. It's a Canadian team. It's not one that I particularly care about, but it's still a Canadian team, you know. So listen, Toronto is going to have enough excitement with the Raptors and the Leafs in the playoffs at the same time. I don't know they can handle another one. That's so true. My God, it's going to be plus the Argos just won the Grey Cup, so you know. In that Maple Leaf Square, it's going to be wild in the playoffs. Yes, which they're going to call it it, uh, Jurassic Park. Well, depends. Depends if it's a basketball game or a hockey game. They change the name depending on who's playing. Right. All right. So let's move to the AL Central. I guess we both have the Indians. Yeah. How'd you know? (laughs) I think some of these. I told you these division winners. They pick themselves. Look, the Indians are stacked. They have the same team as last year. They're on a mission because I think they feel like they're close to winning the World Series. They were so close two years ago. I think they thought they were going to make it back, you know, and they have one focus, which is to win the World Series, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, their team's great. There's nothing to say. It's the same team they've had. They're they're loaded, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in the American League West, I think it's more the same thing, too, with the Houston Astros. Yeah, did, did the Astros lose anyone from their roster? I honestly don't know. Uh, they got better. Um, they they got Garrett Cole from the Pirates. Oh, so, right, yes. And they didn't have Verlander for all year last year. They only had him since September. But that so doesn't all make sudden, him better, in my opinion. No, but all they the, had him. They No, no, but I'm saying, like, think about how many wins they had in the regular season. Right? I know. And now the top three in the rotation is, well, I can't pronounce his name, but Keuchel, Verlander, and Cole. I mean, that's yeah. pretty crazy. That's pretty stacked, right? Yes, yes. And they also, by the way... Houston also has a very good bullpen, by the way. No, no, they their team they won the World Series, so like you, what can you say about their team, right? I mean, right, they're they're right. great. Uh, who do you see as? I mean, look, I already told you, I think the Sox, the the Sox, are going to be one of the out uh, of the division winners. So the Yanks are going to be the uh, wild card team. I kind of revealed that. Yeah, the Yankees are one of my wild card teams for sure. And who, who do you have as like another wild card? I have for no apparent reason. The Minnesota Twins. Well, I had them on the short list. Um, they had a good year last year, and in, in right, like they had a strong season. They have like a kind of up and coming team, but I don't know. I'm I'm leaning towards the Angels for that second wild card team. Okay, the Angels have a lot of question marks. Can we yeah. talk about Shohei Otani? We could, yeah. I mean, who, all I heard who took about him in your who took him in your fantasy pool? Yesterday? Not me, not me. Was he two players? He's two players. He's the pitcher and the hitter, and no one took the hitter. 
No one um, took the hitter. No one, no one took, took the hitter. No one took the hitter. I was debating taking the hitter with my last pick overall. I think that's a good move to take him because the thing is you can't take him and say he's a position player because you don't know how often he's going to hit or when he's going to hit. So that's why I didn't take him. But but taking a flyer on him as a, a last pick, it can't hurt, no? Well, I took uh, instead. Um, well, we can get to that later. No, I mean... It's, because the, uh, guy, the guy I took with my last overall pick is my is my nomination for rookie of the year. Oh, okay. So let's, we'll get to that so, later. So we'll get to that later. Okay. So yeah. But, so I but yes, the pitcher, Shohei Otani, the pitcher was taken, mm-hmm. um, but he hasn't even been pitching. He hasn't even been pitching well in spring training. No, I know. So, so they have a lot of question marks. Yeah, they so, do. So, you know, you, you, you could be right. They might, uh, they might be the wild card team. I mean, mm-hmm. listen, the angels are always right there. Right. So they're, they've been close. Right. And Getting, I think, that second wild card. I think, the, you know, the Yankees and Sox are going to be close to 100 wins both. Same thing with the Indians and the Astros. So that second wild card is not going to be like, it's going to be 90 wins, you know? It's, it's not going to be. It's interesting. I just realized that the teams we picked in the American League all made the playoffs last year. I know. That's why I was worried when I made these picks because they seemed a little bit too easy. And it, it, it is sort of the same thing in the, uh, the National League. <laughs> But I mean, listen, last year you thought Kansas City might contend, but they've basically given up. So yeah. that gives Minnesota even better shot at being a wildcard team. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So so do you want to go to the National League or you want to give your... Yeah, let's go to the National League. Okay, so then we go to the National League. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in the NL East, I'm picking the Washington Nationals. I know that every year they win their division. Their division isn't that strong. The only team that really could contend with them maybe is the Mets, but only if their entire pitching staff is healthy, which I don't know if it is. I cannot put any faith in the Mets. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so really, I mean, if Washington doesn't win the NL East, to me, that of all the divisions is the biggest lock of all of them, I think. A hundred percent, because the rest of the divisions lousy. So Right? I mean, the Marlins and the Mets, I mean, these are bad teams, although I have something to say about the Phillies. I think the Phillies could be up-and-comers, but... I mean, the Nationals should win that division going away. Like, I don't even think it's close. And I know this isn't a big deal because they already have a really good team, but the Nationals did add Howie Kendrick at the end uh, of the season towards the um, towards the yeah, trade deadline. Yeah, he's not a he's not an impact player. But he might start for them because they have a couple of injuries. No, no, no. I think he's going to start, but I mean, he's not like he's not changing things for them. I mean, no, no, still, he's not the Howie Kendrick that he was still ten years ago. A loaded ago. lineup with a deep pitching staff, and they seem to have answered some of the questions about their bullpen. I mean, with Max so. Scherzer and Steven Strasburg at the top of your rotation. But but this is the thing. Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg at the top of your rotation. So Scherzer's going to win 15 to 20 games. Strasburg's going to win 15 to 20 games. But at a certain point, these guys are going to be injured. And that point is going to come in the month of September and October. <laughs> so like that's why the Nationals didn't go far in the playoffs last year. Because Scherzer has some nagging injuries come playoff time. And same thing with Strasburg. And then you know what happens in the playoffs. The pitching rotations get compressed. They want them to go on three days rest. These guys can't do that. So that's why I think, yeah, the Nationals are going to win the division. But I just don't see them. Like you told me, you told everybody a few months ago that the that team's not ever winning a playoff series. They're cursed. And I totally agree with it. By the way... They also, we didn't even mention, they're going to have Adam Eaton supposedly for the whole season unless yeah. he gets injured again. Good good player, starting center fielder. Uh, so, so, yeah. So, but I, I mean, mean, really, like I said, of all the divisions, for them to win theirs is a lock. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I'm not, again, I don't have the winning the World Series, but... No, yeah. What about the Central? 
So the Central, let me go to my notes here. I think last year obviously was an off year for the Cubs. They still won um, the division. They st- they won the division, and don't forget they won the World Series not that long ago. Yeah, um, I think yeah. their team is still stacked, and they added you, Darvish. Um, okay, they lost Jake Arrieta. Some might say that's a wash. Some might say that's an upgrade. Yeah, I um, think it's it's, it's certainly a wash. it's certainly no worse than 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 uh, than a wash. Um, so I mean, I'm gonna go with with Chicago to win the NL Central. So am I. What a shock. <laughs> Although I saw I saw a lot of predictions saying that they think the Cardinals are going to be in contention. Some evil, some people even picking the Cardinals to win. And I just think it's complete. I think it's just complete not craziness. I think the Brewers have a better chance, to be honest. Well, it's I had the Cardinals making the playoffs last year. Yeah. Uh, because I'm one of those believers. The Cardinals, they're always there. They're just always there somehow. It doesn't matter. Like they lost Albert Pujols, everyone thought they would they would fall off the radar, but yet they just replaced these guys, and and they always contend year after year. Now they didn't yeah. make the playoffs last year, so I was wrong. But um, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they did. And I, I don't. I, I mean, I don't want to give away my the rest of my picks, but I don't have them winning this the division. Okay, there you go. And then uh, in the National League West, I mean, I don't think we're going to also be, I think we're also going to be on the same page with the Dodgers, right? Yes, we are. I think that's also almost as much of a lock as the Nats, isn't it? I don't know about that because the, 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 the West actually was, I mean, yeah, no, both of the wildcard teams came from the NL West last year, but they and were then, way behind. And one of those teams wasn't the Giants who were much improved by, you know, they got McCutcheon and right. Evan Longoria. So they're right. serious. They're ser- the Giants are serious about getting back in contention. Although right. I saw Madison Bumgarner broke his thumb or something today. Yes, so. yes, yes. Um, so I do have the Dodgers winning the NL West. I don't think they're as much of a lock as as the Nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the rest of the NL East is just so bad and the NL West is actually not bad. Right, right. So your two wild cards in the National League? My two wild cards are the Milwaukee Brewers and the San Francisco Giants, and I'll tell you why. Sure. Um, I had the Giants making the playoffs last year, and I was wrong. But the Giants, as you just said, added Evan Longoria and Andrew McCutcheon. And, by the way, they also added my buddy Pablo Sandoval. <laughs> your buddy, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, I, and, I, and yes, I know that Madison Bumgarner is injured. Uh, but he's supposed to come back at some point. Um, I just think I just think the Giants are going to have a turnaround season. I think that last year was an off year. Um, remember, this team has won was it three World Series in the yeah, span of three. five or six years? Yeah, three in like six or seven. Every second year they were. Winning. Yeah. yeah. So so I, I I do have faith in the Giants and Milwaukee. Milwaukee added Christian Yelich and your buddy Lorenzo Kane. Lorenzo Kane, that's like honestly one of my favorite players in the league. I know. First of all, it's the best name in the league, Lorenzo a, Kane. He sounds like someone from like a 1980s soap opera. Yeah, it's a pretty yeah. good name. Yeah. Um, and he's a pretty decent player too. Yeah, no, I think th- I also have the Brewers as taking one of those wild card spots. And so, I have the D-backs with the other. So that 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 answers the question about do I have the Cardinals and I don't. Right. I think the D-backs were a very underrated team last year, and I think Goldschmidt is an MVP candidate as soon as he walks on the field. And and they're they have a like a pretty deep lineup, you know. So I, I don't think, like you said, I I think they're gonna they're gonna keep it close. I think in the National League West with the Dodgers, but the Dodgers are just too good. 
I mean, Arizona did have 93 wins last yeah, year. So Yeah, I don't know, know if they could do it again, but I think it's enough for a wild card spot, you know? Okay. Yeah. So now we get to our, uh, we got to say who's going to play in the World Series and who's going to win it. Yeah, so who do you have? I'm, I'm making these, these uh, picks on the fly as we go. Um, so my AL champ, I'm going to pick Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, really? Yeah. Um, and my NL champ, I'm going to pick Chicago. I love it. Those are great. And then who do you have winning the World Series? The Cleveland Indians? Yes. The Cleveland Indians. Yes. Bring it home. <laughs> that, that would be awesome for the city of Cleveland, I have to it, say. It would be. Yeah. I have the Houston Astros okay. back in the World Series okay. against the Cubs. And there's nothing wrong with those picks. And I have the Astros repeating. I think they're just too good. Okay. And I really would like to see Kate Upton. Oh, I was cheering. just going to mention. I would really love to see Kate Upton, you know. Sitting every, right behind home plate. Sitting right behind home plate. The camera always flashing on her in the private box. You know, her celebrating on the field. It's just fantastic. You want to go awards? I would like to do awards, yes. Okay, let's hear it. This is where we could have some different opinions. Right. So let's start with AL MVP. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick Carlos Correa. Well, while I do think that I have written down here, I do think Carlos Correa is the best player in the in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, Giancarlo Stanton as the MVP. Okay. I think when it's it's going to come down to numbers, like, and he's just going to have he's going to have 50 home runs, so they're going to give him the MVP. You know? Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's legit. Uh, Did Stanton win the NL MVP last year? Uh, yeah, he did. He beat so, out uh, he beat out Joey Votto and Paul Goldschmidt and your your guy uh, Nolan Arenado. Yeah, so now you got the both MVPs in the same league. It would be pretty impressive if you would win back to back MVPs in different leagues. It would be, but I, I'm sure I'm I'm 100 sure that there's never been back to back MVPs in different leagues. That's never happened. You think? I think the only person to win MVP in different leagues is Frank Robinson, and that's not back to back years. Okay. I, I'm I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure my baseball brain is good, but um, like I'm doubt myself a little bit lately. Well, you are getting older. American League Cy Young. I have Corey Kluber. I do also. Okay. I think they're going to win a ton of games because their division sucks. They're going to have well over a hundred wins, and he's going to have well over twenty. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And the Not- truth is, I mean, now that Verlander is older, I don't really know of a dominant pitcher in the American League. Like, there's no Clayton Kershaw in the American League. There's no Max Scherzer in the American League. No, there's Chris there's Sale. No... Who's yeah, but Chris Sale, not the I'm same. not sold on Chris Sale. And then, then now, pardon the pun. Pardon yeah, no, the no, pun. I know. And Luis Severino in the Yankees, I'm not sold on him either. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you are right. It's it's more or less Corey Kluber's. To, to lose, or unless Dallas Keuchel, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, unless David Price becomes the David Price oh, of five years ago. don't have faith in that. I mean, I think he's a good pitcher, but I don't think he's an ace. No. Yeah. And then who do you have for the American League Rookie of the Year? So this is the guy who I picked last in my draft instead of Shohei Otani. Okay, well, I have Shohei Otani as the Rookie of the Year. I think, okay. you know, because the rookie, the, these votings are, a lot of it is uh, like a narrative, you know, a story. And he's the big story, right? So as long as he does well, he's going to win. <laughs> right. But I mean, you... You have to put up the numbers. Yes. And like, we don't even know how much he's going to play in the field, right? We don't no, know No, no. But I'm saying just as a pitcher. Okay. Just as a pitcher. Yeah. So who do you have? I have as my AL rookie, I have 
Glaber Torres on the Yankees, who's currently in the minors. Right. Um, but the reason he's in the minors is because they want to limit his service time. So he's going to get called up, you know, in a month. What or position like does that. he play? Shortstop. So is he going to get in the lineup? As he's not going to play shortstop. Well, he might, or he can play other positions. Right. Okay. That would be interesting. It would be interesting. So you feel that they're going to call this guy up like after a month? I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, cool. I mean, I did pick him in my draft, so I hope so. Right. Let's go National League MVP. I have Paul Goldschmidt. I just finished telling you that he's an MVP candidate as soon as yes. he steps on the field. Yes. <laughs> um, that being said, I think um, you can never underestimate the power of like the last euro in your contract before you become a free agent. Mm-hmm. So you got to give it to Bryce Harper. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> right? I mean, he might be just hitting for his next contract right now, you know, so. I'm I'm like regretting my pick now. You could change it, but no, uh, that's okay. I'll keep. But Paul like, Goldschmidt. look, Harper's always hurt. He always gets some injuries, so usually limits some of his at bats. But I mean, and and he also went into like some kind of huge slump. Remember last year at a certain point? I thought it was where, two years ago that he oh, had that slump. It seems like it was going on forever in my mind. But like the league sort of figured out how to pitch him a little bit, so. But like I said, I think, you know, maybe he's he's finally due for his big year, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, National League Cy Young. Oh, <laughs> I'm scared to say it. I have Max Scherzer. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. Well, I took Clayton Kershaw. I think it's like he's never bad. <laughs> he's always great. That's true. You know, Kurt, there's nothing wrong with Scherzer. Scherzer's a workhorse. He's like, he just goes out there and just pitches innings you know like honestly he's always he's always he's he's always giving you everything he's got i love the guy honestly but like i said he's always got these nagging injuries that seem to like limit him at the most important time okay um nationally rookie of the year i have a guy who also is in the minors Mm -hmm. um and his name he plays for the atlanta braves his name is ronald acuna i have the same guy yeah yeah Everything I read about the top rookies is this guy's like his story is amazing, right? He 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 played A, double A, and triple A last year. Yes, and he, he had rose, six numbers everywhere. Yeah, he rose through their minor league system all in one year. Um basically hitting for average. I think he hit three twenty five all told, twenty something home runs on the season, forty something stolen bases. I you know I've said it before. I hate the term five tool player. That bothers the hell out of me. I didn't know that. No, I don't like it because I feel like those tools are not indications of whether a player is going to be good or not. <laughs> you know, they're always like can hit for home, can hit for power, can hit for average, um, can throw, can run, like the the things that they rate them on. You know, but like a lot of times, like these five tool players, you know, they they omit the most important thing, which is does the guy know how to hit? Just mm-hmm. hit. Like they, I know they say you can hit for average, but that doesn't always mean anything. Like, do you know how to work an at bat? Do you know how to work a count? Do you know how to, how to like literally how to like your approach to hitting? You know, like Aaron Judge doesn't have that. That's why I don't like Aaron Judge. Like when I said before, he's not a good hitter. This is what I meant. You know, mm-hmm. and and all things are pointing to this guy on the Braves as like legit. You know, <laughs> so. 
And again, he's a similar situation to Glebar Torres. Yeah. Who they just sent him down because they want to control his. Um, yeah. His service his, time. His, uh, his service time, exactly. So the difference is, though, he's on a bad team, Acuna. Right, and so he'll definitely get called up. Yeah, so I mean, he's going to play because the yeah. Braves are bad, and they're they're going to play their young guys, right? Yeah. And see what they've got. So yeah. he'll he'll get his at bats, you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm looking forward to a big baseball season. Hopefully, I'll get to hopefully I'll get to go to some games this year, at least one or two in other cities. So they don't have teams here. Yeah. Um, last year I was able to see a game in Philadelphia, or maybe that was the year before. I don't remember. I don't remember. Usually I can get to a game in Philadelphia. Oh no, last year I went to a game in uh, New York in uh, City Field. I saw the Mets. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, they are horrible. <laughs> so maybe I can get I get to New York often. So hopefully I can catch either a Met or a Yankees game this year, which would be great. And also I get to Philadelphia. The good chance I could get to Philadelphia to see a Phillies game. So. There you go. Very cool. So before we sign off, remember, you can listen and subscribe to new and archived episodes of the Skip and Josh podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, And if you listen through uh, Apple Podcasts, definitely give us a review. Uh, We would love to hear from you via email, skipandjoshshow at gmail.com. We're very active on Twitter at Skip and Josh. And you can like and follow our Facebook page. And as always, the links to everything I just said are on our website, skipandjosh.com. As well, when you go to skipandjosh.com, make sure you sign up for our email list. So I guess I'll speak to you next time and we'll get back to maybe our normal type of episode where we kind of run down whatever's on our mind. This was a little bit more focused and onto one topic. I kind of liked it. Well, it's good. I mean, we always say we like to do like an episode of this or like like soon we're going to do a uh, NHL playoff preview that's going to come too where we'll just focus on the NHL playoffs right we have to so. do that soon actually yeah i know <laughs> it comes pretty quick right yeah all right great talking to you and i look forward to seeing you this weekend all right i'll be at your place on on the weekend get ready oh. to have me awesome thanks <laughs> bye bye the skip and josh podcast is over now don't worry there'll be another episode soon